Is running the Mac OS on an iPad a good idea? Ben Rathig thinks so. This is Mac Voices. Mac Voices is supported by Notion. Do your most efficient work with Notion projects at notion.com slash macvoices. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Folks, this discussion is long overdue, and it's my fault. I teased it on a Mac Voices live session, and then uh, WWDC's announcement hit, and we thought there were going to be just a few announcements. Instead, it was like a blitzkrieg, and we never got back to it. So first off, I want to welcome for his first time here solo, Mr. Ben Rathick. Ben, it's great to have you without all those other people bothering us. It is certainly nice to be here, Chuck. Uh, though I do have to say I miss the other panelists. Yeah, we well, we have way too much fun. But but this time, and the article I teased um, was a, an article you wrote on your blog about Apple needing one operating system. Um, mm-hmm. And that was in advance of WWDC, so we didn't know exactly what was going to happen. Obviously, nothing did when it came to converging operating systems. Um, and I, I felt like this is something that we go back and forth on. We've talked about it on Mac Voices Live plenty of times. I've talked about it with other guests. But I wanted to, to just dig inside your head and feel, find out why you feel this would be a good idea. Absolutely. So why is it a good idea? <laughs> well, when the, when the iPad came out, it was a much different uh, device than it is now. Uh, there was a definite gap between the Intel processors and Macs and uh, the early Apple Silicon chips that the early iPads came out with. As things have gone about, uh, the iPad has become much more Mac-like to the point where uh, when it comes to the internal hardware, the iPad Air and uh, the iPad, or excuse me, the iPad, excuse me, the MacBook Air and the iPad Pro and now iPad Air are virtually identical. Uh, we have seen this convergence happen a little bit through iPad OS where the iPad has gained mouse and keyboard support. We have seen the most recent uh, iPad go from primarily a portrait device to a landscape device. And then on the other side of the, the coin, Max, um, they have tried a little bit of touch when it com- when it came to the... Uh, God, now I forget the touch bar. But you've seen a a lot of Windows machines that have these fully touch screens. We have a lot of people, including myself, tend to, from our business business machines, tend to touch the screens at times. We have a lot of people of younger generations that are entering the workforce who have been primarily touch first in the raising, I think it is just time to have a single device that 
is not held back by either touch or keyboard and mouse. Okay, so we talked about this pre-show. You know, there's going to be a little, a little bit of friendly disagreement here. Um, so yes. I want you to try to convince me, and then I'll tell you why I'm right. Um, <laughs> so the one thing I can't argue with you much on, the one really good point I think that's in there um, is that the, the kids, you know, the younger generation is growing up on touchscreens on their phones and maybe to a lesser degree their iPads. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think the the uh, Google Chromes have a touch screen. So the Chromebooks, I think some of them do. Do they? Okay, okay. So there, yeah. I mean, there, there's an argument there that they may be getting used to that. I think the the thing that bothers me so much is about the whole concept is the issue of an operating system becoming bloated. And, you know, unnecessarily unwieldy on the smaller screen devices. And also just the idea that the, up, to, up to this point, and we're going to leave the Vision Pro out of this discussion because that's, mm -hmm. that's a whole new thing that none of us have seen yet. And it's definitely a new platform. So the platform oh, yes. we have. And I definitely wrote this article before I even knew the Vision Pro was a thing. Right. And so, yeah, so I, I, that, that one's off the table. But I, I'm concerned about the, the operating systems getting bloated, a la a certain other computer company that shall not be named. Yes. Um, I'm also concerned, though, Ben, that I feel like for, for the most part, the, the operating systems are optimized for each device to, to their benefit. And if they become, if it becomes a little bit more compromised or come, it all comes together, we might lose some of that optimization in favor of um, uh, respecting, you know, a one operating system, the requirements of one operating system. And I think that is definitely a valid point. Uh, but if you look back to the early days of Mac OS, uh, there used to be a user mode, which was considerably stripped down to kind of make it easier to use. I mean, I mean, you have it to the point where Apple has two very good operating systems. To be perfectly honest, it wouldn't be that hard to have a Mac-like interface for keyboard and mouse with a little bit of touch screen, or if you're going touch primary, a more iPad-like interface. Oh, oh, okay, but that, I mean, are you then going to try to take us down the path of the Macs needing or being required to have a touchscreen or having a touchscreen as an option? Not necessarily. I mean, it's, it's supported on Windows machines, and not all Windows machines have touch. It's primarily before kind of that in between in between segment, like uh, the Surface, laptops, that type of thing, where you're going to be very very close to your machine, where reaching out and touching something, even if it is a secondary input method, is something that could benefit the user. I mean, obviously, if you're using a 27 or 32-inch or larger display, 
in that case, touch just becomes silly. Okay. So are you then advocating for touch on just laptops? Since we... Yes. Okay. okay. So I don't know if I... I mean, maybe I'm just stuck in my ways, but I'm mm-hmm. I'm struggling to see the benefits. You brought well. Let's back up. You brought up the Touch Bar, which is a really, really good point, and Apple appears yes. to have abandoned that. Were you, Were you a fan mm-hmm. of the Touch Bar? I was a fan a fan of the idea behind it, not so much the execution. I think it was honestly on the wrong part of the laptop. The for me. The, the uh, function row is something that is very much needed. And the implementation took that away. I mean, if I think it'd be better just to have it at the bottom of the screen, maybe slightly better above where the dock would be. Okay, that's, I mean, I think that's a fair point because the, the one thing about the touch bar and that, that makes it different from an iPad or an iPhone is that, <clears throat> pardon me, when you are going for the touch bar, you because there's no tactile feedback as to where you are on the bar, you have to take your, your eyes off the screen. With an iPad or an iPhone, you know, um, I'm, I'm going right there. You know, that's that's where I want yes. to be. My finger. So I'm 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 seeing my finger as part of the user interface. With the touch bar, you didn't have that. That said, though. I love the customiz- customizable, customize, customization. Customization. Of the, yeah, thank you. The customization of the touch touch bar and what you could do with it and and turn it into various things for different programs. So, and and that's I guess that's where I'm not sure that creating and an, an just all the all the hassle associated with creating and all the code associated with creating a touch interface on the Mac, in spite of the power we have with the M1s and M2s, um, is is really the best evolution of the desktop platform. Or the well, laptop. here's the thing. Here's the thing. We are going to what is going to be an eventual uh, pan-Apple code base when it comes to Macs. You're already seeing it now. You have apps, pretty much you write an app once, it can go to the Mac. It can go to the iPad. We're now running iPad and iPhone apps on Apple Silicon Macs. And as we've seen, especially on the iPad versus the Final Cut, there are certain advantages to being able to mix keyboard and mouse and touch in the interface especially when you have sliders involved. You bring up the final cut and the other option there of course is is LumaTouch. Um, yes, which is a which is a phenomenal program. If it because it, and we've talked about it here and we've had the folks mm-hmm. from Luma on several times. Um, and it changes it changes the experience of editing. But I'm very aware of the fact that it's changing the experience of editing on the iPad because the iPad is not up where my screen is right now. 
I yes. mean, I, I, I would not find it very intuitive or interesting to go and, and, and start moving things around on an iP- on, on my screen. An iPad's a little bit lower. It's in my lap. Um, yep. even, even my laptop is, even if it's, even, it's a laptop, right? If it's sitting in my lap, mm-hmm. I can still, yes. it would be better, but I don't think it would match the experience, the, the positive part of the experience of editing on the iPad. I mean, to be perfectly honest, me using a six, a fourteen-inch MacBook Pro, I'm e- able to quickly and easily reach all parts of the spring of my screen at this point. It's, I mean, for me, just reaching out and hitting a touch point is almost second nature to the point where I do it accidentally all the time. <laughs> Oh, you're one of those. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, essentially, we have two computer or two different computers from Apple, which are similar enough where they can do most of the same things. But one of those, in this case, the iPad has been substantially held back to, I believe, not step on the toes of the Mac. Hmm. That's an interesting idea. That's an interesting idea. I'm I'm a little surprised. I've been waiting for you to bring it up, and you haven't. The although you you did in a little bit in your intro that you know we have mouse and and keyboard support for the iPad, mm-hmm. and so you want to take it back the other way and say, okay, I can touch the iPad now. I want to be able to touch my my Macs too, and so that means I have the full choice of all the interface. Uh, elements or peripheral, I guess, support for all devices. Correct. Uh, you use your Apple device the way you want to use it. Um, I mean, you can use it full uh, keyboard. And, you'd be able to use it full keyboard and mouse. You would be able to use it full touch. Uh, it'd be pretty much kind of like what Microsoft promised, but Apple would be able to do it at a better experience. This edition of Mac Voices is supported by Notion. Do your most efficient work with Notion projects at notion.com slash macvoices. Project management is a necessary evil, but sometimes that's because you're jumping between tabs at best and different programs or services at worst. But now you don't have to any longer. Today, I'm excited to share that Notion has just launched Notion Projects, which includes new powerful ways to manage projects and leverage the power of their built-in AI features too. Notion Projects combines project management with your docs, knowledge base, and AI features too, so you can stop jumping between tools and stop paying too much for them too. Notion is super customizable as well. View projects in any way you like as a timeline, table, or Kanban board. There's also powerful filtering and automation features so you can work exactly the way you want. I've been using Notion's integrated AI to improve my project descriptions and communication. It really makes a difference when you're having trouble finding just the right words for a complex description. And if you don't like the first suggestion, just try it again. Do your most efficient work with Notion projects. You can try it for free today at notion.com slash macvoices. That's all lowercase letters, 
notion.com slash macvoices. When you use my link, you're supporting my show. Go right now to notion.com slash macvoices. Thanks to Notion for supporting Mac Voices. I'm half joking with this, and I'm and I'm half not. Should we? Should Apple be trying to take lessons from Microsoft in this area? I'm going to say something that, if you would have told me 10, 15 years ago, I'd be saying Microsoft has been innovating with the Surface line. Uh, they have. To a point, a hard, very well to a hardware point, not so well from a software point, made the tablet a computer. Their uh, Surface Studio has made the all-in-one a be able to go from that large screen desktop to a very good drawing interface. Their Surface laptops. And tablets kind of give you that option to be either that full uh, laptop in the Surface Laptop line or that tablet first in the regular Surface line. Quite frankly, if the interface was better, I could see myself using Windows. Those devices are so good. But they're not. Correct. Microsoft is, in its own ways, very much backed by its business users. It has to not only run all that legacy code, uh, but it also has kind of that legacy interface to Windows, especially after the considerable backlash that was Windows 8. Which at this point has been a long time ago, but it's still yes. there. Yeah. Its legacy is definitely still there. So just for the fun of this, let's step aside for a second and try to look a little bit farther into the future. Do you think we're going to migrate away from tablets? Excuse me, away from laptops, pardon me. I mean, the desktop machine, I think, is always going to be there or for at least for the foreseeable future in some fashion because of peripheral and hardware requirements. But do you think the laptops will go away in favor of a more unified tablet-like device, which would require what you're talking about? Yes. I think at this point, the traditional laptop, at least in the... Uh, low-end to mid-range segments might be the most endangered device in computing. It works in a way that is very comfortable to, quite frankly, um, late, late boomers through early to mid-millennials. But those quite frankly, born after the mid-90s were pretty much touch-first in their upbringing. They would, wa they would want to use the devices as a tablet with the, the ability to use uh, 
keyboard and touch or keyboard and mouse where it makes sense as a secondary input. But does that require does that require one operating system? Now I and and, and I go back and, and you're right. Mm -hmm. This has been a topic about Mac OS for a long time. That is yeah. becoming too um, it's becoming too cluttered. There are too many options. There are too many buttons. Um, and it would be nice to have just that new user or very simplified user interface. Yes. The, the, the interesting thing is every time, though, we take a step toward that, all of us geeks, you know, rebel and say, well, I can't adjust this anymore. I can't adjust that anymore. Meanwhile, the, the average user says, eh, mm -hmm. who cares? So... You know, I'm looking at this and trying to figure out who we need to build the machines for, what interfaces yeah. we need, and, and and frankly, how many options do I as a user need? Not want, but really need. Yeah, I mean, do we need 10,000 menus to do the same thing as what one would do? I mean, that's going to be the question. I mean, the other thing is, as much as this pains me to say it, we are the minority of, of computer users, and we are becoming more so the minority every day. We as in age group or we as in geeks? Um, both age group and we, we learned the quite frankly, what was the 20th century concept of computing. That's not necessarily where we're at today. Wow. That's a, that's a deep statement, Ben. I, I like it. And yeah. I don't, I do not disagree with it. It's just going to take a little while to process, you know, what that potentially means because we've seen such evolution in computing yeah. to where to get to where we are now. We said we were going to talk about the Vision Pro, but you know, that may be where the future lies. And it, that may be a very, very crude first attempt. Um, and of course, by today's standards, it's like super sophisticated. In five or ten yeah. years, it, it may be like the first iPhone was. It was it was phenomenal for its time. It's still kind of magical, you know, when you think about where everything was at that time, but then look what it's grown mm -hmm. into. Yeah. I mean, it's gone from magical to the way things are done. Wow, that's another good statement. Hmm. I don't know. I still, I'm still struggling with the idea of an, of an OS, because, of, of a unified OS, just because I don't want to lose the things that are so good about about each each operating system, each interface for commonly used programs that mm -hmm. are optimized for the specific devices. But what I think what I heard hear you saying though is that there's no reason we would lose that. It would just be the, the I open a program and it says, oh, I'm opening on an iPad or I'm opening on an iPhone or I'm opening on a Mac. And so yeah. I'm going to present this interface. Yeah, and if you look at the way things are done on the iPad, it kind of slightly reconfigures itself whether you are use whether you are going touch first or using that keyboard and mouse. 
I mean, not to the point where it reconfigures the entire operating system, but it knows how you want to use it. No, you're not wrong about that. You know, and and Apple, a lot of Apple's programs are doing that. There's one other thing, though, that, and I'm anxious to hear what you, what what you're thinking is on this. We've talked so much about the iPad being iPad and iPhone being so locked down from a security standpoint, and the Mac not so much. The Mac, because of the of its background, um, there were so many things. You know, you can you can run you can run applications that um, Apple does not allow on the iPhone and iPad. Some of those which mm-hmm. I really love and depend on. So, you know, that's great. And I'm sorry they don't run on Mac or on iPad and, and, and iPhone. Having said all that, though, we have a very secure device, a very uh, a relatively simple device we can hand to someone and say, mm-hmm. for you, you do email, you do web browsing, um, you might do some chat, maybe a little FaceTime. You can do all that here, and you really don't have to worry about all the security issues that we as Mac users do. Yes. Does a unified operating system potentially change that? Either either degrading the iPad and iPhone experience or hampering well, or hampering the Mac experience. I I don't think so especially when it comes to programs. I mean, Apple does have its very safe, very secure uh, OS or app store. And if you look at the way the Apple Silicon Macs work, their default is much like an iPad or an iPhone, where by default, uh, it is app store only. You have that option to get into uh, third-party gatekeeper apps. In fact, it's even taken away uh, options that were available on the Intel machines where you could essentially go with unsigned apps. Uh, Essentially, signed gatekeeper apps go through almost the same process to have that signed as app store apps do. So I don't think there is absolutely any uh, difference in safety there. And like I said, the way these things ship, they're designed to be the most secure and the most usable for the average user. Apple knows we're going to go in and change things. Who us? <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I still. I mean, listen. Neither one of us is going to be able to uh, to to affect this. I mean, Apple hasn't called either one of us yet. At least not yet. Um, for for yeah, our thoughts go- on it. <laughs> yeah, but. Listen, it, it will. We will adapt to whatever whatever Apple does, and we've yeah. seen Apple. We've seen Apple make some missteps, um, but mm-hmm. also at the end of the day, I feel like you know it's we we definitely have moved forward with things. We definitely have new capabilities. The way I'm using my Mac 
now is not the way I used it five years ago, 10 years ago, um, by any means. And the same is true with the iPad and iPhone. So, and, and now we have the, the vision pro coming at us. That'll be interesting to see how that evolves. These are fun discussions to have uh, because everybody has oh, a little yeah. bit different thinking on them. And I think that's might be one of the reasons to go to a singular OS that is somewhat customizable in that way. Not everybody is going to use their laptop, desktop PC, or tablet in the same way. But they kind of want that same end result. End result as in uh, productivity-wise or interface-wise? Productivity-wise. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I mean, we've we've got uh, the new version of Mac and iOS and iPad OS coming out in the fall. Uh, we'll see, you know, what steps forward that takes. Hopefully, it will fix some of the things that have been a little bit of a challenge in the current versions. Um, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. Absolutely. So, when you're not here discussing interfaces with me. Um, you make regular appearances. You become a regular on Mac Voices Live on Tuesday nights. Where else can folks find you, and where can they find this article and everything else you write? Absolutely. As far as where you can see me, uh, you can find me on uh, In Touch with iOS with Dave Ginsburg every Thursday night or Friday morning, depending where in the world you are. Uh, Friday. Thursday and Friday afternoons on the Big and Mac shows on the British Tech Network. Uh, as far as the now 10,000 different social networks that are out there, I am Ben Raythig in all of them. And finally, uh, where you can find my thoughts is Raythig.tech. Ben, thank you so much. I've, I appreciate it. You and I have not done a, a solo set of conver- or solo conversation before. This um, it's interesting to hear how your head works, um, and I always enjoy your commentary on Mac Voices Live um, because you. Why, thank you, Chuck. You come from just a little different generation, one or two years behind me. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I have to say, being kind of what what some people might call an ex millennial gives me that different uh, process because I truly had a analog childhood in a digital young adulthood. It, it has required me to be adaptable. Well, and that's why I, I think it's important to have these conversations with someone that just isn't in the echo chamber of, of my age group, um, or my, yeah. you know, my opinions that, you know, you come at it from a little different angle and, you open my eyes sometimes to a way uh, looking at things in a way that I would not have thought of. So that's, that's why this is such a great community is, you know, it, it really doesn't matter what your age is or your background is, you know, we're, we're kind of all the same when we sit down at the keyboard or pick up the phone or the iPad and, you know, but we just have different ways of, even then we still have different ways of approaching it. Absolutely. I will see you again next Tuesday as will everyone else. Thanks so much for doing this. It's been an absolute pleasure, Chuck. Folks, I'm Chuck Joyner. This is Mac Voices. 
maybe we've made you think a little bit um, with this. Maybe you're in one camp or the other. If you are, I'd love to hear from you, chuck at macvoices.com. I will apologize. We were having just a little bit of a bandwidth uh, situation here, so Ben and I occasionally stepped on each other. Hopefully that wasn't too distracting, but hey, it's the nature of uh, internet interviews. Until the next time, and as always, thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode you will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.